To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the gospel for today from Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> you heard it read before, I recall just these words. When John was in prison, he heard about the things Christ had done. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, our Advent King, who was and is and is to come, my beloved. To give us great variety in our worship, the Church Fathers of many years ago established our church liturgical calendar, and they divided it into two halves, the festival portion of the church year and the non-festival portion of the church year. They called one half of the year the festival portion because that's where all the festivals were, like Christmas and Easter and Pentecost. And that was the time that uh, we consider what God has done and does for us today. And then the second half of the church year was the uh, non-festival portion where um, we, considered, we consider, because of God's forgiveness, how we can serve him and others. Well, the festival portion of the church year, for, to make it uh, oversimplified, was divided into four quadrants. And first of all, I'd like to talk about the second quadrant, which is um, this, the Christmas Epiphany season. It's kind of interesting how it is six weeks long and how we consider how God became man and what the God-man did during his ministry. And the, next, uh, the, the uh, third quadrant is the Lenten, Lenten quadrant, where we think about how Jesus suffered and died for us. And the fourth quadrant is the Easter quadrant, where we talk about how Jesus rose again and guarantees us everlasting life. Getting back to the first quadrant, which actually uh, is usually is in November, the last two Sundays of the church year, and then the four Sundays of Advent, six weeks, and the theme of that six-week uh, period is Jesus is coming. So for our church fathers to set aside six weeks to talk about the theme, Jesus is coming, it must have been pretty important. And it was. Because after Jesus ascended into heaven, the early New Testament Christians thought that because he said he was returning, that he was coming back tomorrow. And if he didn't come back tomorrow, certainly it would be the next day. And if not the next day, the next week. In fact, some of them thought that Jesus was coming so quickly, they quit their jobs and threw away their money. Well, weeks developed into months and months into years and years into decades and centuries, and Jesus did not return. And so the temptation was, Jesus isn't coming back. We can live any way that we want. You recognize now that it's 2,000 years since the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven and he still hasn't returned. And the temptation for the people of the world today is, he's not coming back. He said he would. He hasn't come back even until today. Live any way that you want. 
The Sundays, those six Sundays, Jesus is coming, remind us to be ready. Now on those six Sundays, there are also sub-themes. One of the sub-themes of the uh, last day is in the first days of the church year where Jesus is coming. Be ready. Another sub-theme is have hope. Another theme is Jesus is our king, our ruler. Well, the theme of this Sunday is, according to the readings, be patient. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that sometimes a person's patience this time of year can run a little thin. Uh, my 95-year-old mother uh, last week uh, suffered double, double pneumonia, and so she was hospitalized for four or five uh, days. And now she's in a rehab. And um, my wife and I went to visit her last Friday. And I have to tell you, uh, I had to try to be very, very patient with my mother's impatience as she was settling into a surrounding where she did not want to be. My wife and I also went shopping this past week. Won't mention the name of the grocery store, but while we were getting in line to check out, the cashier's computer crashed. And all of a sudden, the line was seven and eight deep. And I'll tell you, people were not patient. Also this past week, I went to... Uh, the post office to get some stamps and also uh, uh, maybe you're going to go this next week to mail some packages. Be patient because it's crowded. And have you ever had that experience, you know, where you're, you're driving around because you want a parking spot to open up and then you're next in line and the parking space opens up and somebody squeezes in ahead of you and they say, you say, they stole my spot. Now, would you be tempted to roll down your window and say, hey, buddy, a blessed Christmas to you, and I'll be praying for you the entire new year? Or would you maybe want to say something else? The Sundays of this, uh, the readings for this particular Sunday encourage us to be patient. Now, maybe you have your own um, definition of uh, being patient or patience, but uh, while I was looking at these uh, three readings for this Sunday, I developed my own definition, and here it is. Patience is waiting for an important event or outcome with no anger, fear, or anxiety, even though the wait may be long and you don't know when it will end. Developed a little list, too, of uh, patient waiting uh, in uh, ascending order. Waiting to be connected after you've been put on hold. Waiting for the stoplight to turn green. Waiting for the mail carrier. Waiting for a parking space to open up. Waiting to get over the flu. Waiting for Christmas. Waiting for your tax return. Waiting for your delayed air flight. Waiting for the results of your final exam. Waiting for the sermon to be over. Waiting for your son or daughter to come home from their first date. Waiting for the corn to ripen. Waiting for your first baby to be born.
waiting to see the dentist, waiting to be called back about your job application, waiting for your surgical wounds to heal, waiting for the results of your medical tests, waiting for the paramedics to arrive, waiting to be rescued from an auto accident, waiting to be released from prison, waiting for Jesus to come. Did you ever feel impatient? And did you ever feel that you were all alone in your impatience? Like you were going through something that nobody else ever went through, and then you even felt guilty for being impatient? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that um, you're not alone. In fact, you're in pretty good company. Like Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, who on one occasion challenged the prophets of Baal, and he prayed to his Lord God, and fire came down from heaven, and then the prophets of Baal were all killed, but then the tables turned, and uh, Queen Jezebel sought out Elijah and said, uh, you're going to die. And so Elijah ran away, and in his impatience and depression, he hid in a cave. 1 Kings 19, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Eli Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have been ver very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broke down, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And how about uh, John the Baptist that we hear about this morning, who, uh, according to Malachi's prophecy, was the second Elijah. You know... John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who prepared the way for him in the wilderness in his rough and wild way, dressed in camel skins, eating locusts and wild honey, uh, uh, preached, repent! Change the way you think and act. And then he had the privilege of pointing out, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How could anyone like that ever be impatient? John the Baptist got to see Jesus face to face. He got to baptize him. But then there was a time in John the Baptist's life that he went to wicked King Herod and told him that he was living in adultery for stealing and marrying his brother Philip's wife. And he told him that face to face. It is not lawful for you to have her. And because Herod didn't like those words, he had John thrown into prison. And that's where the words before us today uh, take us to John being in prison. I think he was expressing some impatience. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who was to come or should we be looking for someone else? Why would John ever ask a question like that? Perhaps it was, and John knew this is the way it was going to be. John's disciples were leaving him and beginning to follow Jesus. That's exactly what was supposed to happen. And now Jesus' ministry was looking very, very successful, and there John was in prison. And perhaps John was saying, well, if Jesus is doing all these miracles, why doesn't he get me out of here? Whatever the reason, John was becoming impatient. Elijah was impatient. Two of God's greatest prophets of the Bible. Just imagine that. 
And we find out from Holy Scripture that there was only one antidote for their impatience. To Elijah, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God's answer to Elijah, the whisper of his word. God's answer to John, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame are walking, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And you know what both of those stories tell me? You can't get patience on your own. No matter how you try to conjure it up, it doesn't work. It's a gift of God, a miracle of God that he gives you through his Holy Spirit. It's interesting how Isaiah today in the reading talks about the desert turning into an oasis where flowers were blooming that don't bloom in the desert. In other words, for things to change, it can only happen by a miracle of God. And the same way it is with our dead, dry hearts. God miraculously, through his word and sacraments, creates life in a dead place so that we can say, Jesus, I believe. Where did Elijah and John go for patience? Elijah heard the whisper of the word of God. John went to Jesus. And all of a sudden, there was evidence to produce patience. Jesus was dueling miracles. He was healing people, raising people from the dead. The Almighty Son of God had come into the flesh. The evidence was and is all there. Jesus, true God, becomes a man to humble himself to suffer more than you and I will ever have to suffer so that he can tell you, I know how it is. I've been there. And then he dies and rises again on Easter to dispel our fears and our doubts by saying, look at my hands and look at my feet. Stop doubting and believe. You see, you can't get patience all by yourself. It's a gift of God. It comes through the assurance of his holy word. And he reminds us again and again, be still and know that I am God. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Or hear the words of Job, who got patience only from the Lord, so that finally he could say, though the Lord slay me, yet I will hope in him. You see, Jesus is your bigger brother. He's bigger than the doctor. He's bigger than the lawyer. He's bigger than your banker. He's bigger than your boss. And he'll never leave your side. 
and when you can do nothing more, then just sit still and let God hold you in his love. You see, when it comes to patience in our lives, waiting is the hardest thing to do, especially when you don't have all the answers to all the whys. But no matter, you have answers to the really important questions of life. Does God love me? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Has God forgiven me? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And what about my eternal future? He who believes has eternal life, and that means right now and forever. The hardest job in the world to do is waiting. But you have received the gift of patience because you know Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.